This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. Welcome. I'm Thad Kauser. I'm a professor of political science at UC San Diego and co-director of the Ankolovich Center for Social Science Research. American democracy faces formidable challenges. Over the last few elections, we've seen these challenges across the nation. And just as America has faced challenges at other critical junctures in our history, American democracy has so far proven resilient. One of the key sources of that resilience are the officials who oversee elections in states and counties across our nation. In this first of our UC San Diego Democracy Talks, we're honored to have three of those officials. They're here on campus as part of a unique gathering that's bringing public officials, uh, journalists, scholars, and nonprofit leaders together to talk about the challenges that American democracy faces and how to meet them. Uh, We're welcoming today three extraordinary guests. First, Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. New Jersey Secretary of State Tahisha Way, and Maricopa County of Arizona recorder Stephen Richer. Let's get to this question of what is the state of American democracy in 2023? So I'm going to throw this out to all of you, but I'll ask Secretary Way to, to hop in first. We just had the midterm elections of 2022. They went very smoothly in many regards. But in our UC San Diego Yankelovich poll, we found that although trust in elections had rebounded among Democrats and independents, it had not increased among Republicans, who are now more likely to say that the election results reflected significant fraud than reflected the accurate results. So from your perspective and with this focus on elections, where do you see the state of our democracy today? Well, Ted, thank you for that important question. Because, yes, the 2022 elections ran relatively smooth. And, yes, you can say, you know, we have a good working democracy, but by no means can we say that there's a touchdown being scored here because ultimately there still is the case that needs to be made for our voters to have, you know, more of an understanding and an education about not only the issues, not only about the candidates, but about how the election process in their respective states is conducted. I know that uh, my team and I in uh, the great state of New Jersey and I know uh, my colleagues here have worked diligently and hard to engage, to activate voters to making sure that they are going to be informed and not misinformed about their respective um, elections. What, what, what do you see, uh, Secretary of State Benson? You've, you've been at the, the, in, a, in a state that's been at the center of many of these controversies. Where do you see us today? We're much stronger, actually, than we were just a few years ago, in part because there is an increased attention on our work. And that scrutiny has made us stronger. And that transparency has, I think, invited more people into the process so that they can understand the truth of why they should have faith that when they cast their vote, it is counted, why they should be able to trust the results of the election as an accurate reflection of the will of the people. And what all of us and our colleagues all across the country have really doubled down on over these last few years 
is increasing that transparency in how we operate so that voters can, when they're in some cases inundated with falsehoods and misinformation, have a place to go to identify the truth and the facts and to see what really does happen once you cast that vote and how and why you should have faith in the, in the accurate outcomes of the election and the fact that your vote was counted. Great. Thanks. And, and speaking of places that have been really at the center of a lot of this, Maricopa County, uh, recorder Richard, what's, what's been yeah. your experience there? And, and is your view as, as, as sanguine and optimistic? Uh, best of times, worst of times. I think like Secretary Benson said, a lot of good has come out of these conversations and that people know more about the process. Members of the media are highly informed and can immediately respond to some of these conversations. People are coming in, they're getting involved in the process, but at the same time, some of the things, some of the parameters that we had set prior to 2020, prior to 2016, maybe whenever it was, have been pushed out or have just been flagrantly stepped over in that, you know, some of these just challenging democracy in and of itself has become acceptable within the political rules. And in Arizona and many other parts of the country, when within my political party, you know, questioning democracy, becoming an election denier is a fast pass to success in many respects, whether it's endorsements, whether it's donations, whether it's just, you know, basically getting you through the Republican primary. And so I, I think we're playing with fire, certainly in Arizona, but maybe throughout much of the country, uh, much of the country. Yeah, and, and, and you brought up the, the partisan dimension of this. So, so we have on our panel uh, an elected Democrat, an elected Republican, and an appointed nonpartisan. What's, what are the opportunities to have a cross-party, broad coalition that's a pro-democracy coalition? And are there things that, that each side needs to give up on? Are, are, there, are there either policy changes or messaging changes that need to be adjusted to, to bring all sides to, together in this democracy project? Well, whether we wear a D and R or, or independents, whether we're appointed or, or elected, we're all professionals and we all have a job to do. And that's really what you've seen highlighted from our work over the last several years. And, you know, our work is simply just making sure every voice is heard, every vote counts, that people can trust the results of the election as an accurate reflection of the will of the people. None of that is partisan. In fact, I just spoke at a press conference a few days ago calling for greater protections for our election officials to invest more in seeking accountability for those who would perhaps motivated through misinformation, threaten election officials. And that's something that we're seeing on an ongoing basis. And what I simply said is this isn't about a Democrat or Republican. It's not about protecting one group's votes over another. This is just about making sure everyone has access to a democracy, to their voice being actuated in being able to hold their elected officials accountable. And it's a beautiful thing that we all, if anything in this divisive time, if, if there's anything we can all come together around, it's got to be simply just making sure our democracy works for everyone. And that's what we all are dedicated to regardless of what jersey we may wear at different points in our careers. I wholeheartedly agree. And if you want to feel good about democracy, you should go into the guts of the election machinery and see people who are of all political stripes, of all philosophical stripes, working side by side. And they're just so busy making sure that the job gets done that nobody's stopping to think, well, who's an R, who's a D, who's an I? And so it's really a wonderful phenomenon within the mechanics and the professional society itself, the secretary of states, the county officials, the people who are just working as temporary workers. Yes, where I worry about it is in the electoral sense. It has become such a... Um, potent electoral topic, maybe even in Arizona, more discussed than abortion rights mm. um, were 
in this most recent election. And so I, I, I think that, you know, when you're juggling that ball and playing with it so much, then, you know, perhaps some damage can come to it. And then we have seen the purge of people on within my party who have been outspoken and saying, no, that you crossed the line on the peaceful transfer of power, or no, you crossed the line on you know denigrating this institution, and those people are increasingly uh, ousted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would you know echo the sentiments of my two colleagues, and that you know the conducting of elections is you know nonpartisan. We all seek to have fair, free elections, similar to how, you know, a government, when you are talking about basic uh, life uh, issues and concerns, such as just basic picking up trash, garbage, you know, it's not done in a Democratic way. It's not done in a Republican way. It's just done in the people's way. Now, to your question about coalition building, and that is key. And I can speak about um, how I know in New Jersey what we have opted to do on a nonpartisan level, creating a civic engaged coalition of about 80 different partners We're talking about our faith-based communities. We're talking about our business communities, academia. We're talking about our fraternities and sororities and other nonprofits and grassroots organizations. Just understanding and partnering with our local election officials, partnering with our state officials, um, IT departments. We've brought in our health officials now as a result of COVID. And also with our federal partners, we're talking about the FBI, the U.S. Attorney's Offices, uh, Department of Homeland Security, everyone working as a team, a concerted effort to ensure that all aspects of our democracy is secure and is run with integrity. Thanks so much for that really concrete example. And so each of you have been in office now for, for elections during the pandemic and, and this challenge of, of, these, of this mistrust of democracy. What have you found to be like the most effective, either something that you say to people to explain to make them trust or, or something you've done in your office? What has really, what have you seen? Tours. If we had the time and capacity, we would have all 4.5 million residents of Maricopa County come and take a tour of our elections facility. It demystifies the process. It humanizes the process. It's so much easier to say, uh, well, it's that faceless bureaucrat who's rigging the leaguers, levers of democracy than it is, well, it's, it's Scott. Um, who seemed like a nice guy, (laughs) and now I can even picture that room where they do the tabulation. And so that has really been the most efficacious in terms of ours. Now, the reality is we tried to do a lot of those, but we probably moved through a few thousand people over the last year, which is a a drop in the bucket of Maricopa County. But we're hoping that those people can go out and be ambassadors to others who have said they have seen this process. You You should check it out as well. Yeah, you, you've actually, you actually, your county has a very effective video that, that we found on YouTube and it was one of the videos that we used in this survey, this Yankelovich survey after the midterm that we, we, uh, showed a random group of, 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 uh, a national sample of people, uh, surveys explaining who elections officials are. There's one for Virginia and this one from Maricopa talking about how these, how the process is protected. And all of those had a positive increase, uh, you know, clear increase on trust among members of all parties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think on our end, we expanded out um, vote by mail. Mm. And with that, we 
placed about 400 ballot drop boxes throughout the state. And I bring this up because voters really appreciated when we re-upped our track your ballot. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, because they wanted Tell to Tell us have, how that works a little bit for those oh, who aren't familiar with of it. Of course, the track your ballot tool is an online. You go there, you register so that you're able to find out for certain when your ballot has been received by your local county. So mm-hmm. you have that confidence mm-hmm. that, yes, my um, vote is going to get counted. Thanks very much. Yeah, and with that transparency, inviting people into the process with using data and technology to help people track their individual ballots or get access to information they need to know to receive and return their ballot, all of that has been captured, and we're all learning from each other and and, and replicating these best practices all across the country. Mm-hmm. And and you'll see more of that in the years to come. The other thing we've added, and another thing that has just spread around the country by storm over the last few years, are post-election audits. Mm. Uh, we've heard, you know, kind of a, a, a mal use of or bad use or poor use of audits done by you know um, you know questionable people perhaps in some states, but when audits are done by election professionals and election mm-hmm. security experts who have been trained in in how to conduct post-election audits, they are critical elements of ensuring and affirming uh, the results of the election are accurate and identifying practices that we want to replicate for the future. In Michigan, we conducted over 200 audits at the state and local level following wow. the two. 2000 general or 2020 presidential election uh, and all of those combined we audit the procedures we don't just look at how the ballots are tabulated in some cases we do full hand recounts as we did in one county called Antrim County uh, but we have uh, worked to just ensure we're checking and double checking all of our procedures all of our tabulation processes to reassure people that they can have that faith in the process and that the system works and the system is secure great I think this is a great example of something that election officials have had to develop in, in multiple respects. So we've, there's been an increased intention to post-election audits. But some jurisdictions had post-election audits. But what wasn't known is, you know, if a tree falls in a forest and nobody hears about it. And so really, since 2016, election officials have had to develop marketing offices. And these two secretaries of state are excellent about it, and so are some other election officials throughout the country. But just broadcasting this so that people can understand, oh, you hand count a statistically significant percentage of the ballots such that if the machines were calibrated incorrectly, that would have been revealed. I didn't know that before, even if you've been doing that for 20 years. And so really, just as important as designing the mousetrap now is explaining the mousetrap. And so increasingly, I think elections offices are going to have to be equipped with marketing professionals and media professionals. And that's what a lot of the nonprofit, nonpartisan organizations nationally have tried to do, really connect us as ambassadors of democracy to those who need to hear. And then we also work with faith leaders and others, sports leaders, to ensure that they have the content and they can reach communities that look up to them and trust them with this information. And I think that's another thing that's really grown these last few years, our intentional outreach uh, and proactive communication to various different audiences in the media and the voting populations. And that's also helped ensure and restore faith in our democracy. But we've got to do more of that in the years ahead. We know there's already and still populations out there who in many ways aren't reached by all our efforts. Stephen, God bless him, is on Twitter every day in engaging and answering questions in a very fact, data-driven way that people have about the process. With every election that goes by, he generates and builds trust through that process. And we want to really extrapolate that out, I think, to other communities, to other messengers, 
We equip our faith leaders in Michigan with content and webinars and information so that they can be the messengers of this truth. And that's a lot of what you'll see continue to expand in the years to come. And that's why, in so many ways, we are so much better, so much more well-organized and intentional about our work than we were just a few years ago prior to the 2020 election. Great. Thanks so much. So post-election audits, track my ballot, transparency, and then using the, the megaphones of your office to really go out and be ambassadors for, for democracy, as you said. Those are all great sort of clear best practices. Let's close. I'd love to close just thinking ahead to 2024. Is there one thing or, that you could mention that you think needs to, needs to be done, maybe by someone outside, not a secretary of state's office or by your offices? What needs to be done and by whom in order for us to, to emerge from 2024 election with a peaceful transition of power where, where people on both sides believe in the election results? We need to have accountability for those who previously spread misinformation or in some ways also spread violent rhetoric, which in many ways led to violence itself on January 6th in our U.S. Capitol and elsewhere. There needs to be real accountability and a real line drawn in the sand, not just by law enforcement, although that's key, not just by voters, although that's happened in 2022, but by leaders on both sides of the aisle who have to, if there's anything, again, that we can unify around right now, why isn't it condemning violent rhetoric and threats that stem from misinformation and falsehoods, particularly around our democracy. So we need to see that accountability. We need to build our coalition of truth tellers. And this is something everyone can do. And we need people to not give up on our democracy, to know that we are thriving, we are growing stronger, and we will continue to grow stronger with the involvement and engagement of the American people, Republicans, Democrats, and independents. Serve as a poll worker. Vote and get everyone you know to vote. Spread truthful, factual information, which we can all provide provide access to and be a leader for democracy in your community. That's our step forward, engaging and building out those le- that leadership at the local level. And that's in some ways what we're here in, in San Diego discussing. Great. Thanks so much. Yeah, I would just want to add that um, we really need the American people, uh, our voters, to really be informed. We always want to have voters activated to the ballot box. But there is a true need for voters to truly understand who they can turn to, the trusted voices um, in their communities for the accurate information. And also to go to all of our, let's say, marketing spaces, the online portals that I know um, we secretaries of state and other election officials have really built up throughout the years tap into those resources, stay connected, and, you know, report any myths or disinformation, too, in a timely way so that uh, the election community can somehow uh, counteract that and curtail it. One ask, one concern. The ask is, Jocelyn said, we need all, all hands on deck. Um, I think that has to include corporate America. Mm. I do not think that they need to start weighing in on every single elections administration bill by any stretch of the imagination. But we can all define some parameters where if you step outside of that, that needs to be put back into the box. And I think that they can help with that conversation, and I think they can help discipline elected leaders to stay within the parameters. The second is the concern, and that's that we increasingly have a fragmented media society in which some people are just not accessible through what we would think of as traditional media, even print news, whatever it is. And 
coming up with a way, maybe a brilliant UC student or something like that, but how do we reach these people? How do we reach these people in an effective manner? How do we meet them where they're at without having to, to play into those uh, media companies that are, quite frankly, uh, purveyors of falsehood? Well, thanks so much to each of you for bringing your, your expertise and your experience at the front lines of American democracy to this UC San Diego Democracy Talk. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.